0: Turn to Proverbs chapter 1 please. Proverbs chapter 1 this morning is going to be more of a topical type message and I don't often do that. It's okay to preach topical messages, but typically it'll be expository and working through passages of scripture. But today's going to be a little bit more topical and it's primarily going to be a salvation message again uh, this morning. But there are definitely some truths for God's people uh, this morning and encouragements for us as well. And I want you to read with me Proverbs chapter 1 or follow along in verse 33 because it sets the stage for the message this morning and where we're going to be going. The Bible says, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. The proverb tells us that if we will hearken unto the Lord, the promise is that we would dwell safely and be quiet, not full of anxiousness over and fear of evil. I want to talk to you about where is safety. And the reason I want to do that is because there's just a lot of stuff that's happening in the world. And most people would probably say that there's more danger in the world now than there ever was. And I'm just reminded of of the Tennessee shooting just a little while ago and how tragic that is when these kinds of things happen. And I lament number one loss of life in general, but I also lament the direction our country is going and um, it, was, it was shameful and it was hurtful and it was, it was grievous when I saw on the news that, that there were protesters after all of that who were protesting gun violence, you know? And in what they were doing in protesting gun violence, it really seemed as though they were just mourning the death and the loss of, of the criminal. The one who had perpetrated the crime. And there's clearly an agenda going on in our country, but it never used to be that way, right? It <clears throat> never used to be where you had this thought in your mind that there could be, you go to a public school or even a Christian school, and there could be somebody who comes and shoots up to school and kills, kills your kids. And there's all kinds of other things beyond the natural, like natural disasters, those seem to happen more frequently all the time. There's threats in the in the world, domestic problems, economic woes, collapse, crimes against society, political divisions. Man, those are just everything is just so ramped up. It's deeply divided in our country, and the violence and the other things that get perpetrated. It just reminds me that the word of God tells us uh, that it would be so. The times seem unsettling. At best, and deadly at worst. And I remember reading in Genesis before God brought judgment to this world that He looked down from heaven and saw the wickedness of men; that it was great, that it was continual, and violence had spread across the land. And He uses mentions the fact that that men were so violent two times in that in just a matter of a couple of verses. And God brought judgment into this world. And you know, we can look at all of those types of things out there. And I I I have for honestly I have stopped looking and watching the news a long time ago. But sometimes you have to tune in. But even beyond that, if you're not aware of of what's happening out there, you know in your own personal life and the economic situation in our country the us dollar is, is very weak the stock market's very unpredictable there's constant threat to uh, our way of life and the push for you know for for the green new deal and climate change and we go on and on we can we can name all of these things and then you get beyond that and you find that relationships with people like maybe that you thought were solid that you Find out people betray you, and people turn their back on you. And you can feel all alone, and you can can find yourself in these kinds of situations. And the point that I'm making is, do you ever feel like what in the world is safe for me? Do you ever feel like sometimes like, I, I don't even know if I can feel confident, or safe, or secure rather, maybe that's a better word, Finding security, even in relationships with people. What is it in this life that brings security, even in the middle of all of that? Where is there in life the thing that is truly safe or secure? How can we feel that sense of security in anything when everything is changing so rapidly all around us? Who can we trust? rely on you certainly can't society you certainly can't the government that's for sure none of those none of us would even say that but where do we find and where can we sense real security even in the midst of all of that well in the entire universe there's only one thing that does not change and it's actually a person it's god god the creator in the bible malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 God says, I am the Lord, I change not. And what that tells us is that God is saying, I am the one who is reliable. I am the one who is trustworthy. And what God has promised way back then is still true today, just like when he first gave it. Because God is forever faithful and God is the one who is steadfast. It's his nature. It is his character. And His Word, the Bible, hasn't changed either. There's truth and there's promises in it, but our challenge is to believe and to apply truth from His Word in our heart and in our life. We were talking this morning in our Sunday school class about how we are already victors in this life through Jesus Christ. And Satan will attack and Satan will tempt and Satan will try to discourage. And and we talked a little bit about you know people who suffer with and battle depression and and we talked about other uh, instances where our flesh seems so strong and and we can become feel weak, we can feel overpowered, we can feel overwhelmed. It leads to being in a rut, it leads to depression and we are more than conquerors in Christ and we need to put up a fight because we've already won the victory in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the point I'm making here is the Bible promises some things and the word God gives us instruction, but our challenge is that we have to apply that into our life. Because it doesn't do us any good if we don't do. And that's what Philippians 4 talks about. The peace that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And those things that overpower us, the things that that grip our soul and grip our mind and cause fear, those things need to be replaced. And that's why Paul says in verse 8, think on pure things. Think on true things. Think on things that are lovely and right. Replace the bad with the good. And then he says in verse 9, these things do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The point again is, god's word hasn't changed our challenge is to believe it and to apply it in our life so that we can experience what he has said proverbs since we're here look at proverbs chapter 29 proverbs chapter 29 in verse 25 the bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. There's another promise right there. Where is safety? Where is security? It's for the one who puts his trust in the Lord. And so how can we find security? How can we be under God's protective care even in the midst of a world that is raging all around and struggles of life and all of the above? Well, First of all, we need to understand this. We need to acknowledge where we are as people. How do we find security? Well, the first step is to acknowledge where we are as an individual, as people. In our natural condition as human beings, we come into this world already outside of god's place of protection god's provision and god's blessing we're sinners by nature when we come into this world the bible says that we come forth from the womb speaking lies in our natural condition we are outside of god's protection we're in rebellion against god and are actually living under divine condemnation from the moment we're born Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, speaking of humanity, says that we are all as an unclean thing. Romans 3 and verse 23 says all of us have come short of the glory of God. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 19 with me. Turn over there. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19 Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. <coughs> Excuse me, this tells us that all the world, that means every person who's ever lived, when we come into this world is in a, in a condition of being guilty before God. It declares that we are all in this same position as guilty sinners before a holy God who will judge sin. We sin. We sin willfully. We sin intentionally. We sin premeditatively. We sin sin freely. We sin because that's what our nature is. And as sinners, we love our sin. And we don't care for the divine holiness of God. We don't care for God's, quote, rules... And yet we're going to answer to him one day for the condition that we're in. In John chapter three, just turn over there, John chapter three. I want you to look at verse 18. John 3:18, "He that believeth on him that's on Christ is not condemned, This tells us a couple of things. Number one, when we come into this world, we're in a place of condemnation already because we haven't believed on the name of the Son of God. The place to escape condemnation is believing on Jesus Christ. But then he says, this is why there's condemnation, because men in our natural state love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. Your natural course and my natural bent... Toward the evil that is in my heart, the evil that is in this world, not toward God's righteousness. Why is there such animosity towards God and toward Jesus Christ? I just read this or saw an excerpt of this yesterday, I think it was, that they're trying to pass legislation in Israel making it illegal to teach in the name of Jesus or to speak his name. And, they'll, and there's a jail sentence for those over 18, that's X number of years, and even those under 18 would go to jail if they passed this law for, for trying to be a witness for Jesus Christ and speaking in his name. Excuse me. How crazy is that? How crazy is that, Seth? I don't know. All the details of it. I just saw a little excerpt of it. It doesn't surprise me. And who's to say that that same sort of thing isn't coming right to where we live as well. Do you remember in Acts chapter 5 when Peter and the apostles were performing miracles and people were bringing their sick from all the regions about and the Pharisees and the religious leaders were in an uproar over this and they arrested them for it. And they put him in jail, and then they were miraculously set free from jail, and the angels go back into the temple and keep on teaching and preaching. And then when they went to go to get him out of the jail, because the chief priests were calling for them, they're like, the, the jail is locked up, the guards are there, but when we went in, we couldn't find anybody. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, those guys that you put in jail, they're in the temple, they're teaching again. And so they sent the captain of the guard and, and the temple police, and... And they, they arrest them again, but they didn't do it with violence because they were afraid of the people. Like the people would be in uproar. They might get stoned. And they bring them to the chief priest and they're like, didn't we tell you and command you not to teach in this name anymore? And what did they say? We ought to obey God rather than men. What's the point I'm trying to make here? Why is there such an animosity towards Christianity, towards truth, towards Jesus Christ. Because men love darkness rather than light. Because naturally, their deeds are evil. You know what? Let me just be really honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes, I can stand up here and I can preach and I can look out here in the audience and I can see people don't pay attention. Their heads are down. They're goofing around. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They don't want to hear the truth. They're trying to ignore it. They're trying to push it aside. All of a sudden, everybody just went like... Why is that? Why is there hatred? Why is there animosity? Why is there, why is there resentment? Why, is there, why is that, does that go on? Because men love darkness rather than light. And the Bible says here, they won't come to the light. Did you notice that? In verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. And why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. He's going to be exposed for what he is. He's not attracted to and drawn to the truth of God. Why is that? because our deeds are evil because that's where we are as sinful people and what i'm saying is first in order to understand security we've got to acknowledge where we're at what am i in order to find security we have to acknowledge what we are our sinful wicked heart places us outside of god's good favor and God's blessing, and we can never find true safety or peace or security until we understand and realize where we are at in relation to God. We're outside, we're separate, we're born into this world, aliens, enemies of God. In our natural state, we have to understand that. And we'll never find security in this life, in our own effort. We'll never find trying to make our way through this world. Man, you, you, you just ask the rich man who died in Luke chapter 16. Was it? The rich man in Lazarus? He fared sumptuously every day. He made his way through life. But he died just like Lazarus did or the beggar. And the Bible says in hell... He lifts up His eyes, being in torment. It's coming one way or the other, either in this life or the next. Our relationship to God has got to be addressed. Our relationship needs to be understood. And where we are outside of Jesus Christ is in a place of condemnation. Secondly, in order to understand and know security, not only do we need to understand or acknowledge where we are, but secondly, we must accept what God has revealed. That means that we have to accept what God has revealed about us. That means we have to come to the point where we say, "You're right, God, and I'm wrong, and I agree with you." And the Bible shows us that the Bible shows us that, that God sent His Son. Into this world, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin. And because of that, Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be cleansed or forgiven and be accepted by God. God has provided this. We need to acknowledge and agree with God about our sin, accept what He's revealed about us, but secondly, accept what He has revealed about His Son. Romans chapter 5. Turn over there with me, please. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. The Bible says here, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That one man was Adam. By Adam and his rebellion and disobedience to God brought sin into this world. And death came about because of Adam's sin. And we're all the children of Adam. He's the first man. We all are, are relatives of him. And the Bible says, and so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned. We have that sin nature. And we need. What we need to understand is that we need pardon from this sentence of death that has been passed upon us. We need pardon from the judgment of God. But Jesus Christ is the only one who paid that sin debt. That's why John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. That word perish It talks about, and means utter destruction, and it's utter destruction for all eternity in the lake of fire. You believe in Jesus Christ, and you're not going to perish, but have everlasting life. In the book of Acts, in chapter 16, turn there please, Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 and verse 31. The Bible says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So often, people want to be right with God. They have an understanding, at least a little bit of God, and they have this understanding inside of them that they need a relationship with God all over the world in all kinds of religions. There is an innate sense in mankind that there is a God, there's a higher power, there's a being, there's something, and I need to please Him. I need to have a relationship with Him. Now, they make up their gods, but what I'm saying is something in their soul, something in their spirit, their God conscious tells them that they need to be right with God. And people want to be right with God, They acknowledge that, but many times, they go about it the wrong way. Either they're not instructed in the Word of God, or they're trusting in the wrong thing. And I've talked to so many people throughout my almost 20 years of full-time ministry. I've talked to so many people about the Lord and about their need of Jesus Christ and asking them, questions about how do you have a relationship with god and you know one of the things i hear the most in our culture in our religious quote christian culture is people say this when i tell them you you there's nothing that you can do to please god in your own efforts you can't you can't make yourself a good person and you're in fact you're not a good person even though you think you are and i hear this where they say well (laughs) I always thought that the good things that I do in this life are going to outweigh all the bad things. Because I know I do bad things, but I try to be a good person. And I've always thought that if I keep trying to be a good person, that all the good is going to outweigh the bad. And someday I'm going to stand before God and God's going to see, hey, John, you were a pretty good person. You know what? You're right. You had some mistakes, but all the good things were better. And so, you know what? Come on in. You're accepted of me. So many people that think that way, like God has some cosmic balance and scale, and he's laying up all the good things and hopefully it'll outweigh all the negative and all the bad things. But people understand and realize what is our heart, that it's sinful, it's deceitful. And even even the thoughts of our mind, even the, the attitudes that we have inside of our heart, They're evil. It's not just things we commit or things we do. It's all sin. And there's never ever going to be a chance for, quote, good to outweigh the bad because the Bible says there is no good in us. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're not the standard of comparison. I've heard other people say they try to keep the Ten Commandments. You remember the rich young ruler that Jesus spoke to? He said, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said, "Well, keep keep the commandments." And he said, "Oh, I've kept them all from my youth up." Remember that we've been talking in Galatians on Wednesday night in our study through Galatians. In Galatians chapter three, in fact, turn over there. Galatians three and verse ten. Galatians 3.10, the Bible says, "...for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just..." Shall live by faith. And Paul, when he was writing to the churches of Galatia, he says, You know what the law demands, what the law requires? You want to try to keep the law? You want to try to keep the Ten Commandments? Then you need to understand this. It's written in the scripture that cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things. In other words, the law demands absolute total perfection. Never, ever once can you break it because if you've broken it even one time, it's you've broken them all. That's what James 2 says. And so you're cursed because there's no possible way that you can do that. You can't be good. Jesus Christ is the only one who is perfect, who is sinless, who kept the law of God perfectly. That is why He is the substitute, the Lamb of God without blemish, without spot, who shed His blood to take away the sin of the world. What I'm saying is we have to accept what God has revealed about us and our sinful condition and about what He's revealed about His Son. There's so many people that even have professions of faith and they even have a baptism into a scriptural New Testament church and that is the thing that they are holding on to for security of their salvation. Well, I made a profession, and I was even baptized. It's a shame when people are so deceived by their own heart. And our heart is just desperately wicked. We don't even know the length or the depth of it. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ can set us free. Amen. So we need to acknowledge where we're at. In our relationship with God, we need to accept what God has revealed about us and about his son. And then thirdly, we need to apply what God has provided. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Apply what God has provided. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and look at verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, Who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This verse tells us that God commanded that light should come into the world. And he's not talking about physical light, he's talking about spiritual light. That he commanded the light to shine. Uh, Out of darkness and he's taken that light that spiritual truth that spiritual understanding and he's shined that light into our heart to give us the knowledge of God to give us the knowledge of glory through Jesus Christ in other words. Yes, we're in a sinful state, and yes, we're condemned already, but God has not left us there. He's provided and revealed something, and now we need to apply what God has provided for our condition. He's given you light, spiritual truth. We're commanded in the Bible then to repent of our sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Acts 3 and verse 19, the Bible says here, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The command is repent so that you can be converted and your sins can be blotted out. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, it states it a little bit differently, but makes the command more clear. Acts 17 and verse 30, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. means it's not optional. God has provided something. The command is to repent and believe on Jesus Christ it's not optional the only other side of that is condemnation we already dwell in that and it means what does it mean then to repent number one it means to see ourselves where we really are as condemned sinners and from the heart to change our mind or repent about our sin, about our rejection of Jesus Christ, about not submitting to him when we know he's calling. Did you know, young man, that God is calling you to repentance today? And you're hearing truth from God for your soul to spare you from condemnation, from utter destruction. And God is calling you, and when you sit there and you reject Him, or turn Him away, or don't respond to Him, that is rebellion against a holy God who's trying to deal with your heart. He's calling you, and you are not submitting to Him. We can do that as Christian people too. I was trying to pull us back. Because we've gotten astray. But we're not submitting to Him. Oh, we're going to face it. We're going to feel it. Because if we're really a child of God, He's going to chasten us. He's going to give us a spanking, a whooping in the vernacular to correct us. And it's for our good and it's painful But afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our life. The problem is we are not submitting and we're not agreeing with and aligning with God and His purpose, His will, His truth. Repentance is changing your mind about that. We need to repent as saved people sometimes. Lord, I've been in rebellion against You. I've not walked with You. And I'm sorry for allowing my flesh to control me and I'm sorry for drifting away and I want to be close to my Heavenly Father. And 1 John 1, 1.9 tells us when we do that, when we confess our sin, that's repenting. He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I'm saying is we need to see ourselves for what we are. Here's how we apply what God has provided. Repent toward God. See ourselves for what we are change our mind about our sin and our rejection and our rebellion and not submitting to the Lord when he calls secondly we need to trust and accept Jesus Christ who is God's son as the only savior for my soul it amounts to some people call it a leap of faith but there's all kinds of evidence that God will do what he said he would do You completely commit your life, your eternity to God through Jesus Jesus Christ. And with a repentant heart, we must believe only on Jesus Christ as our Savior. Repentance from religion, from good works, from our own way of thinking. He's the One who saves. He does it all by Himself. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2.9 says salvation is of the Lord. It's only by His grace. And I'll close with this. In a world full of turmoil, a world full of wickedness and evil, danger, like we haven't felt danger like they do in other parts of the world. But it might come to our doorstep. What certainties do we have? And in a world of all of these things, it soon becomes clear that knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior, is our only place of real security. He gives us a brand new life. He makes, us all thing, he makes all things new. He gives us a peace that only comes from God. Not only do we have peace with God, but now we have the peace of God. Real peace brought by the Holy Spirit of God. The guilt of sin and fear of the future can be gone. Do you ever fear the future? The unknown? And we extrapolate from all that we see going on now when we just imagine that it could get worse and it probably will, and it starts our mind to running and racing, and we start to fear what we don't know in the future. How am I going to be cared for? How am I going to be provided for? All kinds of other thoughts. But with the Holy Spirit of God, And the peace of God, the fear, can be gone. As a child of God, you've got God's promise that He'll take care of you, He'll protect you, similar to how you would love and care for your own kids. Only God is perfect and He does it perfectly and He does it all the way. That's where real security is found. I have found myself at times feeling pretty overwhelmed and pretty burdened. And I was telling my Sunday school class that the longer the older I get and the longer I'm in ministry, the more weight I feel. And it can cause fear. It can cause stress, lots of stress. And that brings to a place of being overwhelmed sometimes. And what is the answer? What is the answer? It's not me buckling under it and like, oh, I just got to get stronger and lift the whole burden. And I can handle this and put on a stiff upper lip. And so that's not the answer. The answer is to go back to my Savior. To cast my care on Him, for He careth for me. The answer is victory in Him. And how much better and more perfectly can He handle things than me? That's where real security is at. And I would ask the question as we close this morning, do you know where you would go if you died today? Young man? Old man? What if today's the last day? Where are you going to go? Where is your soul going to be? We grieve over the loss of loved ones, but we also rejoice when we know that they know the Lord. Sometimes it happens to where There's a slow, gradual decline. Maybe someone's got a disease and it's ultimately going to end in death. But I kind of wonder if most of the time people go out into eternity or something happens that causes them to eventually and they never expect it. They never know. Where's your soul going to go? And the question is, do you have peace and security right now in your soul? Or is there anxiety? Is there thoughts? Is there troubling thoughts in your heart, and your mind? It could be the Lord calling you, drawing you. Are you going to submit to Him? Well, you can know security today. If you, one, acknowledge where you are outside of God's family. Under divine judgment. Number two, accept what He's revealed about you and your condition and about what He's revealed about His Son. There's no way of forgiveness outside of Jesus Christ. And number three, apply what He has provided for you. Repent of your sin, change your mind about your rebellion and your life, and put your full faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood, and then you find rest for your soul. Safety, security in Christ. If you are here this morning and you know Him, let me encourage you to determine to follow Christ with your life. Be His disciple. Live for Him. Be faithful to Him. Attend. Be faithful in church and, and be faithful in study of the Word of God. Be faithful in being a witness for Jesus Christ. You're going to grow and you're going to have the Spirit of God ministering to you. The Lord's going to bless your life. We started in Proverbs chapter 1. The man who hearkens unto me is the one who is going to dwell safely. Amen? That's the answer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for (coughs) the Word today. and Thank You for what You've provided in Jesus Christ. (coughs) And Lord, I pray for any here today who have not been born again. Maybe there's conviction in their heart even now. May they yield and submit themselves to the prompting of the Spirit of God and find peace with God today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.